So, Father, I just thank you for tonight. God, I know that your spirit is moving, that your spirit is alive here tonight, Father. I just pray, God, that you would just speak, God, that you would just use me as your vessel, God, that uh, your megaphone, God, that, God, that people would just experience an encounter with you tonight, Father, that they would learn from you, God, they would just hear from you, God, in a real powerful way, God. And that, Lord, that we would not leave the same, that we would leave changed, more empowered for the rest of our week, Father, to take on the day-by-day life. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give you all the glory. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, my title of this teaching is Humble and Hungry. Humble and Hungry. I love how they, like, made hungry bigger. Uh, it's not really about food. It's just uh, something that my dad used to tell me back in the day when I played football. Uh, he used to tell me, hey, be humble and hungry. You see, like, whenever you get uh, impatient, like, I was a freshman, and I, I really wanted to play, and I got really impatient. I'm like, well, I'm better than this guy in front of me. He would just say, hey, be humble and hungry. What he was just saying is, just humble yourself. Your time will come, but stay hungry. Keep putting the work in. So that's what it means. It's, it's not about food or anything. It's, it's not a message about fasting, so don't worry about that. We already did that. We already, we already went through that horror. But uh, <laughs> it's not a horror, guys. I'm just joking. I have a really weird sense of humor, so, I mean, hopefully, like, like, I don't really mean a lot of things I say, like, joke-wise, so hopefully we could just, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird way to start it off, but that's who I am. I just, I just got, it's like a disclaimer, like, like, in the fine print, like, this is my humor. I'm sorry. I hope it doesn't offend anybody. I try not to. I promise. I'm a good person deep down inside. Well, hey, speaking of, <laughs> yeah, deep, deep inside, exactly. Well, hey, real quick, um, like I said, we're going to be in Philippians uh, verses two through, uh, verse, or chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, and uh, what it says here, this is, Paul talking to the church of Philippi, and he's just reminding him of a couple things. And what he's reminding him here is, is to be humble. He's speaking on humility. And I love these couple verses because it's a short, but it's so powerful. And here's what he says, and starting in verse 5, he says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. I love those verses. And as I was preparing this teaching, I had this, these couple uh, stories, analogies pop into my mind. And as I was thinking of, of humility, you can't think about humility and not think about its counterpart, which is pride. I think I was watching, um, who here watches the Food Network? Food Network? Love the Food Network. It got me through college. It was amazing. It was great. If there was no Food Network, I don't know how I would get through college. But there's a show on the Food Network. It was called Chopped. Anybody seen Chopped? That show's amazing. That's the best show ever. And the premise of Chopped is it's, they got four chefs, four like really top-notch chefs. And what they do is they give them a mystery basket. There's an appetizer round, a dinner round, and a dessert round. But each round, they get rid of a chef. And what they do, before every show, they always have like a chef bio. So they'll film them like you get to meet the chefs. And every chef, there's always this one guy on the show. He always does this. He's like, hey, my name's Chef So-and-So, and I'm the best chef on the planet. I'm the best. My food's awesome. I'm already going to win. I don't even know why I'm on the show because I'm just, it's, it's, it's just for ratings. I'm just on here because everybody's going to watch me and this and that. And I don't even know. It's not even a competition. There was that one guy, dang, first round comes up, they have their mystery basket, he opens it up, he's like, this guy, I can make this, this is, I'm going to sorbet this, chutney this, I'm going to cut this up, ground this up, and he does it, he's done his thing, all of a sudden, gets to the judge's plate, the judges eat his food, they say something like, you know, this rice is just not, it's, just, I'm not, it's not getting it done for me, or this steak, this steak is not cooked like I like it, 
And all of a sudden, the guy who was supposed to be the best chef in the competition is out in the first round. That happens every show. You can watch all like 34 seasons of Chopped, and it's like every time there's that one guy that's like gets kicked out in the first round. And then I started thinking of another analogy where it's like whenever we play sports or when we used to play sports, it's we always would pick teams, right? And whenever we pick teams, it'd always be that one guy or, or girl who'd be like, hey, just pick me. We're going to win. I'm, I can shoot the ball great. I can throw the ball amazing or whatever it is. I'm the best. Just pick me. We'll win. It's guaranteed first round path, draft pick. It's amazing. The Dolphins need one. They need help. They need help real bad. But anyways, so there's always that one guy or girl, and then there's always that guy or girl who doesn't say anything, and they get picked last. And as you're playing the game, the guy who's supposed to be awesome throws the ball out of bounds every five seconds, or he drops every pass, or he misses every basket. And then the guy who was not saying anything was the one that made the game-winning shot, or made the crucial rebound, or made the crucial steal, whatever it may be. And as I was thinking about those things, I started thinking to myself, is that, can the church find ourselves in that kind of behavior? In the sense, do we find ourselves realizing, oh, well, maybe are we we're better than other people because we, 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 we live better lives? Or, like, look at us as a church. We have everything going together. We have our amazing church services. Everybody's happy. Our Instagram has so many people smiling on it. Everything's awesome. Like, everything is great. Look at us. We're better than you. You're not on our level. And I started to think of, like, well, is our pride as a church, and I'm not talking about this church in general, I'm just talking about the church and worldwide, can our pride sometimes get in the way of people seeing Jesus through us? You see, this is something that's been on my heart because this is something I've dealt with in my own life. A preacher uh, named Robert Badu always says that you'll never run out of material to preach on if you preach from your own mistakes. And that's what I'm doing here. And I started thinking of it as a church, is, is our pride sometimes getting in the way of us actually reaching people, us people seeing Jesus through us? You see, God won't bless a, won't bless a prideful church but he will bless a humble church. That's fact. That's biblical. You can check that out. God says it in James, and we'll see it here in a minute. And the question I want to ask you guys is, can you imagine what the church would look like if everybody was really humble, like really, really humble, not that fame Christian humility that we always see that is trying to impress somebody like, oh, look at me. I'm picking up the trash, Pastor. Look at me. Oh, I'm putting the chairs up or looking at doing, doing, doing humility just to get your own gain. But I'm talking about humility from the heart. That really, you have the attitude of putting others above yourself. Where you don't need to be seen, but feel okay behind the scenes. Where you don't need to be acknowledged, you don't need to be shout out, you don't need attention, you don't need the spotlight. But you feel okay just serving, knowing that you're doing this for God and not for people. You see, you have to have the attitude of putting people above yourself. You have, that, you have to wake up with that sense of, who can I help today? Who can I bless today? Who can I sacrifice for today? Stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about other people. You see, why can't we do that? Why is humility so hard? Why is it something that we can struggle with so much in our personal lives and in our church life? You see, like I said before, humility has a counterpart. It's pride. Pride is what some of the scholars believe is one of the greatest sins, one of the great seven sins, deadly sins, is pride. And I'm not talking about pride where, like, you know, like you're that mom in the stands where you're seeing your son playing. They're like, this is me. Like all that stuff. Like I'm talking about like pride where it's like, like you feel that you're better than other people. Trust me, I have experience in that. My mom was doing that. And it was amazing though. She's awesome. My mom one time got on the field. Like it was crazy. Like you're not even supposed to be on the field, mom. What is happening? But that's because she loves me. I love you, mom. Thank you. But I'm talking about pride where you have that feeling where you're better than other people. That's the pride I want to nail down and talk about. We have to be careful with that pride. Because, that, you see, that pride made the devil the devil. That pride is what 
got the devil knocked down from heaven. He tried to be above God. He tried to be as powerful as God, and God cast him out. Pride led the devil to his fall, which ultimately is what the devil used to lead to our fall, mankind's fall. You see in Genesis 3, this is uh, Satan in serpent form talking to Eve. And God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the, the tree and not to eat the forbidden fruit. And here's Eve. She's by the tree, and she's kind of looking at it. And the, the devil uses pride to get Eve to commit something God told her not to do. You see, in verse 4 in Genesis 3, he uses this word. He goes, he tries to tempt her using pride. Like, you will be like God. Why not have that power to be like God? It's very tempting. And, you know, her pride started to creep in. And, oh, I want to be like God. It, starts to, it made the fruit a little more attractive, a little more tasty. So all of a sudden, she took a bite of the fruit, and all of a sudden, sin entered the world. You see, that's what pride does. Pride opens the door for more sin. It blinds us from ever getting any help. It blinds us from ever, ever getting anybody telling us that we need to be careful or something. It blinds us totally. You see, and here's one thing about pride. It's not prejudice. It's not where one of those things where we're like, oh, well, I'm, I go to church on Wednesdays. I go to church on Sundays. No way pride can get me in here. I have my connect group. I'm doing my next steps. There's no way pride can get me here. I am safe. This is my safe haven. But I'm sorry to burst your bubble. The church is no exception. Pride can come in here just like it can outside these four walls. And that's why we have to be careful. We have to know the dangers of pride, but why, why, we also have to know the victory that comes from humility. You see, pride says, I'm a Christian and I'm better than you, but humility says, I'm a Christian, I want you to be better than me. That is key. That's just how we have to live. Are we living like that? You see, it's simple, but it can be hard at the same time. That's the struggle with pride and humility. You see, some of us never start off in our destinies because we can't humble ourselves to learn and to be teachable. It's like we're so prideful. It's like we got it all together. I've been coming to this church for 10 years. You don't need to tell me. I, I, know, I, know, what I, I know what I need to do. I've been reading the Bible for 20 years. I know this stuff. Our pride gets in the way of ever growing in the church. From ever growing from what God, it's like God isn't just satisfied with just this one season of your life. He wants you to keep growing and moving forward and getting closer to him. You can read the Bible until you're blue in the face until you die. You will never understand it fully. You see, pride is our greatest enemy. Humility will be our greatest friend always. You see, James 4, 6 says this. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And I don't know about you, but I want to always have more favor in God. And here's the thing. If you won't humble yourself, God will do it for you. That is the truth. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, why not live a life where you want to continue to get favor from God Instead of being, being more in the favor realm and then instead of being in the opposition realm. So why can't we change? Why, or why, so how can we change? How can we get better? How can we uh, learn to be more humble? Well, I think the, the answer is simple. We have to study the life of Jesus, the most humble man ever to live. You see, Thomas Aquinas said this. If you're looking for an example of humility, look to the cross. Look to the cross. And that's what we're going to do. And I have three topics or three subjects that I want to look at uh, as a church family. And uh, the first one is this, is humility in the life of Jesus. And it'll be on there if you could write that down. It's humility in the life of Jesus. As we saw here in Philippians 5, uh, verses 5 through 7, it says, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Here is Jesus who is equal status with God, becoming nothing in human form. You see, 
and if you read uh, a lot of John, it's one of the, um, the Gospels in the New Testament, you're going to see the words not and nothing a lot. Like here we have, and they put it on the screen, John 5.30, it says, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. And we have some more verses. For I have come from heaven not to do my own will. My teaching is not my own. I am not here on my own. I do nothing on my own. I am, seeking, I am not seeking glory for myself. I don't know about you, but if there's ever patterns like that in the Bible, it's probably God trying to get your attention with something. And what I think this is telling us is that God made himself, Jesus made himself nothing so God can be his everything. And that's what we have to do. If Jesus himself, who was equal status with God, made himself nothing, emptied himself completely for God to fill the rest, we need to be doing that daily. We need to be humble before God daily, emptying ourselves. You see, Jesus had that mindset. We're not, God, your will be done, not mine. Your ways are higher. Your plans are greater. Your love is more amazing. He didn't just take all the glory for himself. He made himself nothing so God can be everything. And that's the thing. When you do that in your life, if you follow the example of Jesus, you'll never lose. It's a win-win situation. You lose nothing by giving all to God. You see, our self has no good in it except to be an empty vessel for God to fill. Here's the thing about it. You ever notice when you fill a, a glass of water that the water always gets filled in the lowest place? And that's the thing. It's like if we learn to be like an empty vessel, an empty glass, and realize that the lower we go, the emptier we are, the fuller and the faster we will see God's favor and glory in our life. It's not easy, but it can be done. And when it's done, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. That's what I love about Jesus. He wasn't just humble before God. It's like, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's good to make sure you're humble before God. But he made sure that his, humble, his, his humility before God was real. And how did he do that? He did it in front of other people. He said he did, he, did the most, he did the greatest act of humility ever known to man, which is the death on the cross. You see, he can no longer, Jesus in heaven, could no longer be all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. But instead, he decided to give up those rights, step down from heaven into earth. And here's what I love about Jesus. He, he skipped the mansions. He skipped the castles. He skipped the royalty. When he came down to earth, no one knew about him. No one cared about him. No one even worshipped him. But yet he did that for you and for me, knowing that we can never repay him, knowing that we can, we can never be perfect like him, knowing that we're going to mess up and make mistakes. He did that, leaving his throne and came on us for you and for me. And if Jesus did it, why can't we? Yes, Jesus is more powerful. Yes, he's, he's, he's the creator of the universe. But we can be humble just like that. That's just like the examples he gives us. You see, that's what I love about God, or that's what I love about Jesus. You see, no one honored him, no one cared about him yet, but he still chose to be humble for us. We have to do the same thing for other people. And that's what leads me to my next subject, which is humility in daily life. So how do we look at the life of Jesus? How do we apply it in our own, in, in our life, and how do we live day to day in, that, in that, that same humility? Well, like Jesus, like we talked about before, Jesus, he wasn't just humble before God. So it's not like we can just take that first step. It's, it's kind of a, it's a package deal. It's not like we can just be humble before God and say we're good. Like, okay, mission accomplished. I got that marked off on my to-do list. I'm humble before God. That's great. But our humility towards others is the only proof that humility before God is real. So we can't be humble before God if we're not going to be humble be, be, with other people. Same thing with love. You can't say you love God and love Jesus and love the Bible and, say, and, and not love other people. It just doesn't work. It doesn't connect. And the same thing with humility. 
Telling somebody how humble you are won't change their life. Showing people humility has the power to change someone's life. That's a simple fact of it. We could talk to talk, but if we don't walk to walk, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to do anything. You see, it's what we think are insignificant acts of our daily lives are actually the test of eternity. And what I mean by that is our day-to-day, we have to realize, we have to be, have, a, have a, just a mindset to really focus and make sure that we're not living or we're not possessed by a spirit of pride but a spirit of humility. In the sense of, okay, here's my day-to-day. The insignificant acts, the small things, maybe holding the door for somebody, maybe giving somebody a smile, or maybe just, hey, saying good morning to somebody. The little things in life are actually tests of eternity. And what I mean by that is, in our most unguarded moments, that's who we truly show who we are and what we're made of. So in your day-to-day, when you're outside these church walls, when you're outside away from these pastors, away from your connect group, how are you living Are you led by a spirit of pride? Are you led by a spirit of humility? What does your day-to-day look like? You see, my dad told me this one time when I was playing football. He says, champions are made when no one's looking. That means are you putting the work in when the coach is just watching? Are you doing that when he's not watching? Are you the same person when God is watching, when you're in church and all your friends are watching, as the same person as you are when you get outside these doors? Are you humble just because it makes makes you look good here in the church and it's going to move you way up here in the church or are you being humble because you really know that humility is the only way people can see Jesus through us? It's hard. It's not easy. We're going to mess up. But we're not perfect, but we have to dig down deep and really live a life that is, lived, or that is devoted to humility. I love that. Jesus didn't talk to talk, but he walked to walk. Here's the thing is he didn't just talk about humility. He didn't just teach on it, which he did. But he taught it mostly by demonstration. And I love it in John 13, five, uh, verses 5 through 17. They won't have it up there. But just to summarize, this is a story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I love this story because I love, you get to see the character of Jesus like never before in this story. Here, this is uh, Jesus with all the disciples. are going to have dinner. And, um, you know, this is almost uh, Jesus is, you know, close to being arrested. And it's, it's getting closer to that time. But here they have dinner and they're, they're just hanging out. And, you know, it, it was Old Testament custom and tradition to wash your guest's feet. It was normal. And here's the, here's the crazy thing about it. Jesus chose to wash his disciples' feet. And one of his disciples was Judas. And in those texts, in that verse, the verses in John, it tells us that when Jesus is washing his feet, Judas already in his heart made up his mind to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew this and yet still chose to wash his feet. That's crazy to me. Think about it. It's like, would you still give a gift to somebody knowing that they're just going to get it and throw it away after they get it? You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus was like, okay, this guy's going to betray me, but I still love people so much knowing that they're going to make mistakes, they're going to mess up. I will still wash his feet no matter what. He knew that and still washed his feet. That blows my mind. And you know what the crazy thing is? If we look in that, we look, we, you know, transport our, our minds into that scene you know, we have to think about it because in those times, it was usually the slaves that would wash people's feet. It wasn't the people that owned the house. It, was, it wasn't any, their guests. It was the slaves. But you have to see in this certain, certain setting, there must have been no slaves. So that means we had no slaves and somebody was just, you know, the disciples of Jesus were just there like, well, who's going who's gonna to do it? Who's going to wash their, people's feet? Who's going to wash their feet? You see, the, the disciples stood still because they were still stuck to the old religious traditions and beliefs. But Jesus was the one who stepped up and said, you know what, I'll wash people's feet. I don't need a slave to be here. I don't need a servant. I will do it. I will get down on your level and I will wash your feet for you. 
That's the thing about Jesus. He lowered himself down in order to lift others up. That was his character. And I think this becomes a parable, uh, an example that Jesus was trying to show us that. It may not necessarily be me to wash people's feet, but it's like, are we getting low enough? Are we humbling ourselves to be a stepping stone to allow people to step over us and get, up, get above us, to be better than us? Are we really doing that? If Jesus did it, why can't we do it? It's so powerful when we, even though we know we're better than people or we know that maybe we're a little bit, you know, we're more experienced in the word or we're more, um, we've been church, going to church for a while, but to see somebody that's new and to see somebody that is needing guidance and help to like, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get low, get, humble myself, and I'm going to walk this journey with this person. That's what Jesus did. That's what I love about him. You know, humility before God is nothing if it's not proven in humility before others. It's a simple fact. In Romans 12, 10, it says this, honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about other people. We have to live our lives knowing that it's not about us, that we're not here on this earth to just satisfy our own needs, our own souls. Yes, we are in the sense we are supposed to make sure that we are right with God and we are living according to his plans. We're also look, trying to look out for other people. We're also called to make sure we are fishers of men, that we are um, the, the visible image of an invisible God. Like We have to do that, and the only way we can do that is if we are humble. And we're not better than other people. We don't give up that, that spirit. We don't give up that attitude. That's what our daily life should look like, is a daily humility of doing things for other people, for doing acts of kindness. That's what Jesus did. He wasn't just, he wasn't just, hum, he wasn't just humble before God, but he was humble, humble before other people. It's a two-way street. We have to do both. And then I have my last and third point. If the band could come up, uh, and uh, that'd be great. So humility and exaltation. Humility and exaltation, this is something that's, that's always been something that I've always struggled with. We see in verses 8 through 9, it says this. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, this is back in Philippians, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Do you believe that God wants to exalt you the same as he exalted Jesus? He wants to do the same in your life. In Luke 14, 11, it says this, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. God wants to exalt you and your life. But it's going to take us humbling ourselves in, in order for him to do that. You see, at first when I read this, I was like, exaltation, what, is that, what does that really mean? So I looked it up, Google, thank you. And um, exaltation is this, the action of elevating someone in rank, power, or character. And that's, that's what God wants to do. He wants to elevate you in rank, power, and in character in your life. And here's the thing about exaltation, though. Because you could be exalted by your friends, your pastors, your coworkers. And sometimes that can replace the importance of being exalted by God. So, for example, I want to ask you a couple questions here. And it says, and here's one of them. It says, when it comes to exaltation, are the voices of what people say about you louder than God's voice and what he says about you? Or think about this. If no one ever gave you another compliment for the rest of your life, no one ever said another good thing about you, would that one thing God says about you be enough to give you happiness, to give you satisfaction? 
I think so many times in this church culture, we're just so satisfied on what other people say about us, and we totally forget what the Bible says about us and what God says about us, what Jesus says himself about us. And all of a sudden, it's like this, this upside-down period. It's like a, a, a replacement where it's like, I only care what people say and what other people compliment me on. Like, I want to make sure that I'm, um, that I'm acknowledged by the pastors or I'm acknowledged by my co-leader or my, my boss. But what God said about me, yeah, it's cute, it's great, but it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't have that much weight as when someone else acknowledges me. I think so many times we could, we could twist our lives and, and twist what true exaltation is. That's the thing. It's, it's crazy because as a young age, when I would struggle with this, I would be like, you know, you're young and you're, you, you know, for example, I played football in college and I know I doesn't look like it. I know like I look like a hipster linguini, but, um, you know, I did play football at one time. And uh, when I did, you know, you always wanted to get the coach's attention. You always wanted to make sure that when, you, when they watched the film that you would pop out and like, hey, Phil, good play. Good job. You're getting a lot better. And like that was what you worked for. That was like the goal. Like, oh, my gosh, the coach noticed me. But I think sometimes when we look at it in a church world, it's like God notices me has become less invaluable than the pastor notices me. And it's like when we live and think like that, it will distort and it will change what makes us truly happy. Because I want to make sure that I live a life that I don't care if anybody ever says anything about me, that I'm right with God forever and ever. And I don't need anybody to tell me nothing. God has already told me I'm his masterpiece, that he has a plan and a purpose for my life, and that is okay. I don't need anybody to tell me that. I'm good. And that's the thing is like we cannot allow other people to define our life, define our happiness. It comes from the word of God and what Jesus says about us. That is where true happiness, true joy, true peace comes from. You will never have peace from getting exalted by, by other people. It might feel good for a little bit, like, yeah. But then you want more. It's like, it becomes, it becomes like, I want more. Like, why, why, hasn't, why hasn't anybody noticed me? I've been stacking chairs for three years now. No one, like, no one notices me anymore. No one has said good job or thank you anymore. And all of a sudden, it's like, stacking chairs becomes something you hate doing. When it shouldn't be that. Because the first place, I remember, I think you have to remember why you signed up for the ministry in the first place. Because you did it because you, did, you wanted to serve a God that first served you by dying on the cross. So don't allow yourself to get caught up in the superficial, artificial type of uh, that, that, that love that, that, yeah, feels good for a moment, for a little bit, but it's going to fade away. You see, I think there's, there's, something, there's something deadly about wanting uh, validation, constant validation. Now, here, here, now, don't get me wrong. Constant validation is okay. It, it is good to say something to somebody and, and give them a compliment and, and encourage people. But when you're, when that becomes your source of like what you do ministry for and why you come to church is like constant validation. That's when it becomes dangerous. That's the thing. You have to be strong to be humble. Being humble is not something where it's like you just. I think sometimes when people hear humble and when they think of being like humbling yourself, it means like having low self-esteem. Like, oh, I'm just, you know, no, it's, it's not me, Pastor. It's, it's all God. I don't know how to do anything. Like, you bring yourself down thinking that's what's supposed to lift you up. And it's like, true humility, that's, you got to be strong to do that. You got to str be strong to prefer people above yourself. You have to be strong to say, okay, I know this guy got a promotion, but I know God is going to bring me that job soon. I know I'm not going to worry about that person's life because I know the promises of the Bible. Like, that is true humility, being strong.
Like it's not this weak, like just like just something where you just do and it's like, ugh. Uh, well, the pastor told me to be humble, so I'm going to be humble. Like, that's not what it is. Like, that's, like when you're humble, you're strong. You, when you're humble, you don't feel jealousy. You don't feel envy. You're not fighting for recognition all the time. You feel okay behind the scenes. God brings promotion, not people. God brings a promotion. So if you're waiting and you're frustrated, God's going to bring it. Your time will come. Just sit tight. Be patient. It'll come. You see, when you're humble, you can, hear, you can hear other people being praised and yourself forgotten because when you focus on what God says about you, then you can serve freely, you can worship freely, you can live freely. You don't have to, be, you don't have to let other, somebody, else, somebody else's life rule your life. I think sometimes we can get like that. They're like, man, I, I, I've been coming to church so long. I've been, I've been doing my devos every day. And like, how did this person, like, God's working in their life. What about me? Like, like what, am I, not, am, I, am I not worshiping? Am I not singing loud enough? Am I singing off key? Like, is there, like I don't get it. Like why, why am I not seeing results, God? What is it? All of a sudden you start to compare yourself. Jealousy comes in, envy. I love what Pastor Alex talked about. It's, it's going to take all of us together. And the last thing we need is us trying to have constant validation. And what, what that does is it starts to separate the church. It starts to divide us because we're more worried about what people are saying about us than what God is saying about us. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful what other people say about us and putting that above, making that priority in our life. This is what I love. And God says many things about you. Jesus says many things about his people, great things. But I think one of the most powerful ones and one of the most, the great verses that he talks about you guys, talks about us, is found in Ephesians 2.10. And this is the NLT version. It says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. You don't need to hear it from me. You don't need to hear it from anybody else. It says in the Bible, and it's not changing. It'll be there forever. God is always going to think you're a masterpiece. He's, nothing's ever going to change that. When you fall, when you fail, when you mess up, when you have struggles with pride, He's still going to be there because you are his masterpiece. And don't complain about the pieces you didn't get. Just be thankful that you're his masterpiece. I think so many times it's like, well, I didn't get the piece of, I didn't get that piece where I could talk good. I didn't, I didn't get that piece where I can sing good. I didn't get that piece where I can uh, encourage well. It's okay. It'll come with time. But just humble yourself like Jesus did. Make yourself nothing. Be an empty vessel and allow God to fill you in all that. Allow God to fill you with his, his gifts, his presence, the Holy Spirit's presence. And when we start to do that, then our lives will start to change and things will get a little easier. But it all starts when we are humble and hungry. Humbling ourselves, but staying hungry in the word of God. But staying, staying hungry in that mindset of wanting more and not being satisfied with just the same old, same old. And when we do that, man, I feel like not only is your personal life going to be so much better, so much stress-free, so more peaceful, but I think the church life is going to be incredible. When we have a church that is really humble, that is willing to go outside these four walls and give love boxes to people, when no one told us to, no one told Jesus to get down and wash people's feet. He just did it because he loved people. And that's what this church is about, loving people humbling ourselves to love people, even though we're not going to get any love in return. 
We may not get any, any thank you. We might not get any, like, like, for example, like going back, like Jesus washed Judas' feet knowing he was going to betray him. You may be humbling yourself before somebody and they may not do anything with you in return. And that's okay because we're not called to do it for something in return. That's when the church is going to soar, when we just are humble to be humble because we truly love people. And when that happens, it's going to be incredible. We're going to see so much more people come to church and be excited to come to church. Because we've got, we got a bunch of people that are in love with God. In love with what Jesus is saying in the, in the Bible. And that's what I love about Jesus, that he's always giving us examples. And, and he's not just saying things just to say, but he's doing it. And I love that. There's no one like Jesus. No one like him. Well, hey, church, if we can, if we can bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray for a couple people. And uh, this first group of people I just want to pray for is, is maybe you're in here and, and you are struggling with pride. You are struggling with pride in your heart and you feel like you cannot break free from it. You feel like you can't, just, you can't get a hold of it. You can't defeat it. You're kind of stuck with it right now. It's okay. We're going to pray for it right now. We're going to pray that God will start to move and start to work and start to speak and start to clear your heart and start to, start to fill it with humility. If that's you, this is a moment to be private, no one, no one looking up and everybody with their eyes closed. This is a private moment. This is not to embarrass anybody. But if that's you on the count of three, can you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. And there's no shame in this. One, two, three. Go ahead. Keep your hand up. It's okay. I'm gonna, my hand is up with you. My hand is up with you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we're going to pray right now. Father, you see all these hands up, Father. And you know how deadly pride can be, Father, especially when it gets into our heart and our spirit, God. God, I just ask that right now, Father, in this place, God, that you would just fill us. Do you see those hands, Father? You would fill them right now, Father, with, God, just a humility, God, that would just overcome that prideful spirit, Father. That we would make ourselves nothing, Father, in this moment. That we would just be totally empty vessels for you to fill in, God. That we don't want to struggle with pride anymore. We don't want to be prideful people anymore. God, we want to be humble before you, God. And we want to be humble before people, God. We want to serve people with a humble heart, with a loving heart, not a prideful heart, God. I pray, God, that you would just speak to them, God. You remind them how special they are, God, how much you love them, that they would feel your loving presence here tonight, Father. That whenever they feel pride creeping into their heart, Father, that they would pray, God, for that humility, God, that you, ex that you showed us washing the disciples' feet, God, that we always have that heart, Father. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for one more group of people. Maybe you're here today and this is your first time at church or maybe you've been coming for a while and you have yet to make it, uh, that, 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 that choice to follow after Jesus, that you haven't accepted that call to accept Jesus into your heart. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. You don't even know Jesus. This is your first time hearing about him. Maybe you, you, I don't know, maybe you've been to a church in the past and you've been hurt. I just want to tell you right now that people will always fail you, but we serve a God here. We serve a Savior here that will never fail you, that will never leave you. He will love you no matter what. And if you're here, you're here tonight, and you've never made that decision to follow after Jesus, you've never accepted him into your heart, then I want to give you that opportunity here tonight. And maybe you're saying, Phil, I, like, you don't know my life. You don't know how messed up it is. I'm, I'm just a, I'm a bad person, and, like, I don't deserve this, and how can God love me? Well, that's what he did on the cross, and that's what we read about. He died knowing that you can never 
be perfect. That you will never be like him. But he died for you anyways because he loves you no matter what you do. No matter what you did or are going to do. His love never changes. It's always the same forever and forever. Maybe you feel like you're a million miles away. Like, oh, let me get my, let me get my life together first, Phil, before I, I accept him. And then, and then I'll be ready. You'll never be ready to, to fix your life until you have Jesus in it. So if that's you and you're here tonight, if you want to make a declaration, you want to accept Jesus in your heart, on the count of three, just raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. We're going to celebrate with you. This is nothing to be embarrassed about. This is the best decision you can ever make. If that's you on the count of three, can you just raise your hand? One, two, three. God bless you. I see you, man. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, man. Awesome move, brother. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Well, hey, for those of you who raise your hand, I'm just going to say a simple prayer. This is not a prayer to the church. This is not a prayer to me. This is a prayer between you and Jesus, between you and him. And what we're going to do is, uh, church, you can repeat after me. And those of you who raise your hand, you repeat with me as well. And, and go something like this. And uh, Lord Jesus, I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Church, can we give a hand to all those hands that were raised? Amazing.